Hi, my name is Jeff Redding. I'm a preaching elder here at Walton Community Church in Monroe, Georgia. Before we begin the sermon, our church would like to invite you to join us as we gather every Sunday morning for worship at 10 a.m. You can learn more about our church on our website at waltoncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning, WCC. What a, a great verse to hear before uh, Leviticus. Go ahead and turn to Leviticus chapter 2. We're going to be there today. 1 Corinthians 2, sorry, 2 Corinthians 5, 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though Christ were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Leviticus, Leviticus is the foundation on which we can say these things. Leviticus points us to our need of someone to die on our behalf. Leviticus shows us that we are an unholy people, that we are sinful, that we need a substitution, we need a mediator, we need to be reconciled to God. Leviticus shows us our need of Jesus Christ. We're going to be in chapter 2, we're going to do all of it today, and we're going to be in the grain offering section. Uh, We're going to be looking at a variety of of offerings. Um, We have five different offerings that are going to be shown to us in the first seven chapters. Now, Leviticus is very structural and really scary or really boring, and one thing you can do is you can run away from it or you can lean into it. I'm going to lean into it a little bit, and as I've been thinking about Leviticus and Hebrews, I've been thinking, man, this is just like me and Jeff. Hebrews is exciting and encouraging and so much beauty and and, and exegesis and examples, and then Leviticus is just and I feel like that's just me and Jeff. <laughs> just really. And then Jeff. <laughs> um, but we're going to be in chapter 2. Like I said, this is one of five. We've already looked at the burnt offering. That's in chapter 1. It's also known as the ascension offering. That works as our atonement. They would bring a bull or a goat, lamb, or a bird. And they would consume it in its entirety. We will see today the grain offering, and going forward, we'll see a peace offering, a sin offering, and a guilt offering. This is the way in which Israel were to present themselves before their king. The great question is, how can we live before a holy and righteous God? How can we enter into covenant with him and stand before his presence? This God that they were exposed to was extremely different from the other gods of Egypt. The other gods of Egypt, they liked entertainment. They liked worldliness. You might serve them in ways that were inappropriate, as we should say, maybe in front of children. They did not care so much about the heart issue of the individual. But God is holy. God is separate. And in order to have relationship with him, holiness 
is required. As I mentioned previously, we come to the book of Leviticus much differently than Israel would. Because we come to this book and we see our need for Jesus Christ. We see that we have a blessing to come before our God without bloody sacrifice. Some of you are wearing mixed linens today and you didn't even think about that. Okay? Some of you, you feel totally cool and comfortable to mow your grass on Sunday. Some of you, you would never do that. That's between you and God type of thing at WCC, okay? Follow your conscience on that. We're going to come across some very bizarre laws. Some ways in which they were to live that make no sense to us. And if I can be honest, some of the things I find in this book, I can't explain. I don't completely understand. But that doesn't mean it's not important. And it's to remind us of how particular and intentional God is. And that obedience doesn't always understand everything. How many fathers, I don't, you should raise your hand. How many fathers, when your child asks a question, why not, you say, because I said so. Faith and obedience doesn't mean you always understand everything. So we're going to go forward, but I want to first, I'm going to lean into some of the structure of Leviticus. Like I said, the first seven chapters, we're going to be learning about sacrifice. Eight through ten, we're going to be dealing with priests. So right now, this is for the the average home to take stock in. Eight through ten is going to be dealing with priests. Eleven through fifteen, some fun purification laws. At the height of this book is the Day of Atonement. And the way Moses puts this book together, we then see a revisitation of purification 17 through 20, as Israel learns how they are to behave and love their neighbor. 21 through 22 deals again with priests. And 23 through 27 deals again with sacrifice. This is the book of the Torah that Israelite boys would learn first. This is very practical. Like I said, not a lot of narrative. This is how you are to lead your home in worshiping and honoring God. So there's a chiasm here. You see repeated subjects all focusing on this particular chapter, the Day of Atonement, that I can't wait to get to in maybe 14 more sermons. (laughs) I know you're excited too to be in Leviticus. Like I said, this burnt offering showed us that we are blemished and that we are in need of a substitute. We see a lot of order in chapter 2 as well, and I'll get to that in a moment, but first I want to mention how I sometimes obsess about order. I'm not very organized, but I am obsessed about getting something wrong. I, I like to give the facade that I understand the information, that I know how it's to be presented and that my logic follows me even into my sleep, and that is not the truth. But that's the facade I like to give. When Amber and I were engaged, Amber was driving this really small Subaru something. I forget what it was called. And as she was on the road, she slowed down. She put her left turn signal on. She was turning into a parking lot of a church. 
and there was this truck, probably about the equivalent of an F-250. And Amber slowed down perfectly. Her signal was on. It still worked, even though her bumper was taped onto that vehicle at that point. <laughs> but the older individual did not notice it. And they kept going 55 miles an hour in an F-250. It totaled Amber's car. The, the back seat disappeared. I think she did like a full 360 and then another half rotation. It's like a 720 or something. 540, I don't know what it would be. <laughs> She's in pain. We take her to the chiropractor. We get things, some things investigated. I don't know how to care for a fiancé. Okay? I, I'm, I'm used to being cared for by my mother, and I don't know how to be that gentle hand, uh, be that listening ear, and know how to just fix someone. I've been fixed all my life, but no one taught me how to fix someone else. Amber wants a simple cup of hot chocolate. Some of you have heard this story. So I take that packet, and I read the instructions, and it tells you how many ounces go into hot chocolate. So I measure the ounces and my beloved fiance at the time tells me how ridiculous I am. You just put water in the cup, you microwave it, and you stir it. Two ingredients. Okay? Maybe three or four actions if you really want to analyze it. You know, rip the wrapper, pour. Water, pour. Microwave. You got to open the door, close the door. It doesn't matter how hot it is. Order was so important for me, just for simple hot chocolate. We find God finds order extremely important. As we talk about the grain offering, not only are the ingredients important, but how it is done in worship. And I want to encourage you to be intentional in your worship to God. And your worship is not, okay, I'm going to be very intentional. Kids use the restroom before I come in here. Coloring books are where they need to be. And you can even do coloring books if you're an adult. So that might apply to you. I don't know. You, you, you make sure you have your Bible, you have your journal or your pen. No, worship is more than just right here. And we can make some grave mistakes. We can think that worship you can do outside of the church all the time by yourself and you don't need the saints. No, no. This is good. This is commanded. But then sometimes you can think worship is all this and nothing else outside of these walls. And we need to wed both. To see that today in chapter 2. Worshiping God involves the home and the community. This particular offering is going to be known as a cereal or a grain offering. And this is one we give to tribute. This is one that comes after our sins have been addressed. And two is intentionally put with one. When a family would come forward with their offering, the first one required would be that of blood. My sin is before me. It must be addressed. And then afterwards, a tribute, a celebration, an offering, a servant, showing homage thankfulness, dedication to their sovereign. 
What's interesting about this chapter, and I'll read it in a moment, is that other pagans would look at this and think, you've just wasted the food for the God. You've just taken from your labor, you've presented it to your God, and now you've burned it up. How are they going to eat? I would encourage you to look at, at Middle Eastern ancient gods and how they had to be kept up. They had to be fed all the time. Uh, Jeremiah 7 points to how some Israel are, are now kneading the dough in a particular way to appease Babylonian gods like Ishtar. She gets hungry from time to time. Some gods get thirsty from time to time. Some of them get tired from time to time. But what we find... When God reveals himself, he doesn't partake. He does not eat. Let's go ahead and read chapter 2. And then we'll go to some of the sections here, little by little. The word of the Lord says, Now when anyone presents a grain offering as an offering to the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour, and he shall pour oil on it, And put frankincense on it. He shall bring it to Aaron's sons, the priest, and shall take it, uh, take from it his handful of its fine flour and of its oil with all of its frankincense. And the priest shall offer it up in smoke as its memorial portion on the altar, an offering by fire of a soothing aroma to the Lord. The remainder of the grain offering belongs to Aaron and his sons, a thing most holy. Of the offerings to the Lord by fire. Now, when you bring an offering of grain offering baked on an oven, it shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour, mixed with oil, or unleavened wafers spread with oil. If your offering is a grain offering made on a griddle, it shall be of fine flour, unleavened, mixed with oil, and pour oil on it. It is a grain offering. Now, if your offering is a grain offering made in a pan, it shall be made of fine flour with oil. When you bring in the grain offering, which is made of these things to the Lord, it shall be presented to the priest, and he shall bring it to the altar. The priest then shall take up from the grain offerings its memorial portion, and shall offer it up in smoke on the altar as an offering by fire of a soothing aroma to the Lord. The remainder of the grain offering belongs to Aaron and his sons, a thing most holy of the offerings to the Lord by fire." No grain offering which you bring to the Lord shall be made with leaven, for you shall not offer up in smoke any leaven or any honey as an offering by fire to the Lord. As an offering of first fruits, you shall bring them to the Lord, but they shall not ascend for a soothing aroma on the altar. Ever you shall season with salt, so that the salt of the covenant of your God shall, be lacking, shall not be lacking from your grain offering. All of your offerings you shall offer salt. Also, if you bring a grain offering of early ripened things to the Lord, you shall bring fresh heads of grain roasted in the fire, grits of new growth for the grain offering of your early ripened things. You shall then put oil on it and lay incense on it. It is a grain offering. The priest shall offer up in smoke its memorial portion, part of its grits and its oil with all its incense as an offering by fire to the Lord. 
This is the word of the Lord. I know it's not very exciting to hear. I had to motivate myself a little bit to make sense of this. So leaning on the structure, the Lord is telling Moses, there are, there are three ways in which you can present this grain offering we see today. In verses 1 through 3, we learn about uncooked grain. It's mashed into fine flour. You can also bake it in verse 4 through 10, or roast the heads of grain or the grits, verse 14 through 16. So why would there be different ways about presenting this grain offering? That's a question I asked myself, and I did a little research on. Bread is the most common staple in the home. Very costly to give meat. And everyone labors for a day's bread. God isn't presenting to them something very foreign, something very exotic, but a common staple. And if it's common, families do their own little things to it. Um, The way in which certain desserts in my home are made are far different from the ways my mom made them or my grandmother made them. Some of the ways in which you would make bread, make a dessert, you maybe even make something like spaghetti is far different. And God is allowing for Israel, when they bring their grain offering, to do so in a way in which their home does so. What we see in verse 1 Now, when anyone presents a grain offering as an offering to the Lord, his offering shall be done with fine flour. We'll stop there. When is the expectation of you will do this? And what we find in some of these preparations is this is done at home. Before they come to the tabernacle, the house has already ordered itself in a way of we will not be coming empty-handed to the tabernacle. Now, this is not meaning that we are saved by our works or we have to clean ourselves up really well before we come to God through church, but there is this intentionality. In the home, there is structure and there is order. There is planning. As you go about your week, as you approach your work, as you approach church, as you approach recreation and play, How are you preparing yourself before God? I confess weeks can be really busy and it just slips my mind. I'm busy worrying about things or praying about stuff. I have a lot of exciting things about to happen and I rejoice and get excited. What we find is God takes something so common, so simple, bread, And he he attaches to it our need to pay attention. How hard is it to escape thoughts about God when baking bread? If it's needed daily, if it's what you work for. I imagine a mother dealing with the harvest the 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 wheat has come in i don't know really how bread is made except for pizza dough imagine as she sifts it mixes it with oil 
Maybe uses yeast in some contexts or leaven. Thinking, I have to leave a portion. I have to leave a portion for the Lord. As we go about our week, how are we mentally preparing ourselves? And I don't want to put God as first, and that, that's a good thing, but I want to put him as central. How can I continually in my week incorporate myself to the kingdom, to God's work? How am I making Christ central? Am I seeking him in worship? Leviticus really challenges us to view worship more than just following Chris on Sunday. But thinking about it as our actions and what we do. How we organize our life. How we prepare. How we go forward. We find that there are some ingredients in this that are needed. We find that there is one flower... There's oil, and there's also frankincense. Oil was used to set things apart. It was used to consecrate and anoint it. And when they were to bring this fine flour, it was to be poured. I don't think so much mixed, but to be poured before the people. In addition, they also used frankincense. Now, we know a little thing or two about frankincense, I think, because of when Christ was born. We know that the wise men brought this, and it was a soothing aroma. It had a gum-type texture to it, and it, it cost some money. So, so what would happen is the home would gather its flour or bake its bread or roast its grain, and they would bring it to the priest, and he would place it on the and it would be burned and offered up into the Lord In this act, we now see the priests engaged. We see, again, a need for a mediator in this section. They could not do this alone. I want to encourage you, as I'm looking about mediator, thinking about elders, we are not Christ. We are flawed individuals. But it's our joy to serve you. It's our joy to lead and assist you. Maybe it's hard for you right now to bring some order into your life. Maybe right now there's no joy. Maybe you have a lot of serious questions. You need prayer. You might even need something practical like meals. Maybe you even have financial needs that are hard and scary and risky to even mention. They were placed to serve. They were placed there to serve. The people of Israel could not worship the Lord without those ministers. Now, elders in a church function far differently than a priest in the Old Testament, okay? But I think there's something to be said about submitting to an elder. Likewise, we see some of the portion is given to the elder. And this is really fun to say as not the senior pastor. I've had to speak on tithing and offerings before. But what we see in each of these grain offerings is that a portion was given to the sons of Aaron. Why was a portion given to the sons of Aaron? Well, because the Levites were not given any land. 
They weren't given an inheritance like all the other tribes. So in order for them to sustain themselves, Israel was to be obedient in what they offered to God. Likewise, this church, our, our, our elders are doing fine, I believe, financially. Some people think, and I don't think we have this problem here, but I interact so often with the world with pastors just want my money. The church just wants my money. God has ordained it that we give. And I want you to see it this way. Israel is putting themselves in a vulnerable situation. Lord, you're the one that has brought in. You've allowed the seed to be fruitful. We have worked hard at the sweat of our brow to collect it. We need this to survive. You don't. But out of obedience and out of gratitude and out of trust that you will supply all of our needs, we will give you this portion. And we do so thankfully because we just remember the blood scene that we just left. You didn't have to feed us. You could have slayed, you could have slayed us. But now you're asking me to move forward in trust and give. And giving is really just a step of obedience and of trust. And I can say yes and amen to that with two hands. So they are to give a portion of this. I want to rush over to a fun little section in uh, verse 11 through 13. And I have to confess, Leviticus has so much structure, it's hard for me to know how to present it sometimes, okay? But it talks about some things that cannot be used. It mentions in verse 11 that leaven shall not be used. Leaven has a lot of things carrying with it. Uh, Leaven carries this idea of sin. And if it symbolizes sin... God does not want it before him. They're they're interacting, they're tangibly touching a lot of things that symbolize, that are pictures to things. Is it wrong to eat pizza with yeast that my family does every week? No, nothing's wrong with that. But when it symbolizes or pictures something, God does not want to be part of it. It's very uh, important that it not be a part, and also it... In Exodus, we saw that when they left, they left in haste. So the bread wasn't well prepared. It was flat. They left in a hurry. This is why it's called memorial sacrifice. is because it reminds them often of when they prepared for their exile. Now there's also something that's mandatory that we find in this small section 11 through 13. Salt is required. Now, it's not mentioned in all the different breakups of what we find between oven, a griddle, pan, roasting, but salt was required for all of these. And salt worked as a preservative. And this serves as a picture to communicate God's covenant endures, it doesn't spoil. It's going to last. And you are to manually take that.